Turn with me this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And we're going to read from verse 9 to the end. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Reading from verse 9. Let us hear the word of the Lord together. And as the scriptures read, you could pray a little prayer in your heart. The prayer is very simple, straightforward. You can pray, Lord, speak to me. I think that's Appropriate for today. Lord, speak to me. Or as Dr. Douglas used to say, Lord, lend me Samuel's ears. Second Chronicles chapter 14, if you found the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots. And came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Sephatha of Marisha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest in thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much small. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities. For there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from 2 Chronicles, chapters 14, verse 11. And my theme today is learning from the prayer of King Asa. Now, I've chosen this text to be our motto text for 2019. It's a great text about the prayer life of a good man of God. Asa was a good praying king. And I believe that the Holy Ghost has recorded this prayer in the Bible to encourage us as God's people. Second Chronicles 14 verse 11 is really a prayer offered to God in the midst of the crisis. The details are recorded for us in chapter 14, when Abijah died. 
Asa, his son, was crowned king in his stead. He was the third king of Judah. Now remember, the kingdom was divided into two after the death of Solomon. Ten tribes in the northern kingdom, two tribes in the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin. And Asa, its third king, is now crowned ruler of the southern kingdom. The land is peace and quiet for approximately ten years. It says that in chapter 14, verse 2. And Asa did that which was right, or good and right, in the eyes of the Lord his God. It says in verse 1, in his days the land was quiet ten years. So here's a verse that tells us something about the uh, character of the king, what he was like. Think of the words, and Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So, so think of this. After ten years of peace, bang, trouble appears. On the border, one million Ethiopians with 300 chariots marching against the territory of Judah. Asa is outnumbered two to one. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 9. It says, And there came out against them Zerah, that's the name of the king, the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. When the battle was set, the armies were facing each other in the valley of Sepha uh, in Marisha. Asa needed help. He needed divine intervention. So in light of the situation, he didn't turn to his friends. He didn't call up his neighbors. He didn't go to any of the other countries for help. No, he called on the Lord as God. He needed a particular kind of help. He realized he had no power or ability or military expertise to defeat this enemy. But he knew that the Lord had. So he called on the Lord his God. And that's what verse 11 is all about. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest in thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. Now, is it not often the case in our Christian life in our lives as individuals, in the life of a congregation, that we too can enjoy a period of rest, a period of peace. And then that rest and peace can be shattered by a crisis. Are we not well aware how easily the rest and peace that we enjoy can be disturbed and broken? And what do we do in a crisis situation? I want to ask this morning, do we go like Asa to God in prayer? Do, do we call on the Lord for help and intervention? I believe today that there's a great need for prayer warriors in the church. I believe today there's a great void in the life of many who profess to be the Lord's, and the void is because there's an absence of prayer in the life. Isn't it true? There's an absence of a 
good prayer life in the life of many individual Christians. And we can even ask in the church, where is the united corporate prayer for divine intervention and help in any given situation? I believe there's a failure to pray today. I believe there's a failure to study the prayers of God's people. In the Bible and in church history, so as to be affected by it. A failure to have these words in our hearts and minds. And what I want 2019 to be in this church is a year of supplication as well as a year of service. Surely we could say today it's true that the Church of Jesus Christ in Northern Ireland is outnumbered, outmaneuvered, being outperformed by an anti-God society. Think of what we're facing today. You, you think of the battle that we still have with the World Council of Churches and its one world agenda. Think of the battle with the ecumenical movement, the charismatic movement. The corruption of true worship even in evangelical churches. The, the corruptions of the Bible. The, the, the uh, moral evil of abortion that's called for on demand. The, the, the thrust of the same-sex marriage lobby. And add into the mix atheism and agnosticism. Add into that the cults, resurgent Romanism, apathy. And then come inside the church, and what do you find? Petty jealousies, strife, brother out to hurt his brother, uh, pride of place, jockeying for position of power, backstabbing, sin that's unrepented of. And then we wonder why there's no blessing from the Lord, why there's no revival, why there's no real sense of God's presence and power in the meeting. And you know, one of the reasons, and there's many reasons, but one of the reasons, I believe, is an absence of true intercessory prayer. And here's Asa, and he's facing this crisis. It's just come suddenly to disturb the peace after 10 years. And what does he do? He cries, Lord, help us. And oh, that we could learn from Asa this morning. You may not remember the whole text, but you could remember those few words. Lord, help us. Oh, to be able to pray like Asa prayed. This good man of God was filled with the knowledge of God's power and this man of God called in the name of the Lord out of a sense of need, out of a true heart, out of a heart that was broken before God, a heart that was saying, nobody can help me. Nobody can help us but the Lord. The enemy's there. The enemy's at the gate. And as he prayed, we know who he prayed to. He prayed to the Lord. I want to think this morning of learning from the prayer of Asa. And I want to try and show you a few things from this text of Scripture. Let's see, first of all, a relationship that was special. 
It says in verse 11, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord. Now we'll pause there. Remember what we've said about him in verse 2, And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Notice the words, The Lord his God. Asa, I believe, made much of the fact of his special relationship with the Lord. He knew that Jehovah was his God. He knew that he was his by a covenant relationship. You see, any time you read the word Lord in capitals, and notice it's mentioned twice here at the start of the verse, any time it's in capitals, it's a reference to the God of the covenant. This was the name that God used to um, enter into a contract a covenant with his people, stranging from Abraham right up. Asa was an Old Testament believer. He was a covenant child of God. He was saved. He had a testimony. He could talk about a day and a time when he, by faith, himself became the Lord. So I, I want to ask this morning, I must ask in this first Lord's Day of 2019, are you a child of God? Have you a testimony to the saving and keeping power of the Lord? Was there a day and time in your life when you were born again of the Holy Spirit? A moment when you were converted? A moment when you bowed the knee and you called on the Lord like the publican? God be merciful to me, a sinner. And I believe it was because he was saved and a child of God and you was in a covenant relationship with the Lord of heaven that in light of that special relationship, he was therefore prompted, he was therefore assisted and taught even in the place of prayer. Remember, he's a man who sought to do what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He had a desire to please the Lord, his God. He's all on for worshiping the Lord in a right way. This man wants to root out idolatry and immorality in the land. He even dealt with issues in the context of family. His grandmother was on the throne. She was an idolater. And he had her removed. He did what he could to restore the land for the cause of truth and righteousness. He knew there was much to be done. He did that was good and right in the sight of the Lord. Doesn't mean to say he was sinless. Doesn't mean to say he was perfect. But because he was the Lord's and in a covenant relationship, he, he couldn't tolerate these things. So when a real crisis appears, when a situation comes to disturb the peace, because he's in a relationship with the Lord, what does he do? He does what comes naturally to him. He goes to his God and he calls on the Lord in prayer. See, I want to tell you something else about Asa. He was the son of a praying father. His father Abijah, the, the second king of Judah, he too was a good man. And um, I believe Asa would have witnessed prayer in the home, perhaps as a child at the bedside, around the family table, certainly prayer being offered in the house of God. And, you know, when I, I think of that, I, I, I think of this. Where are the young people today 
who have been brought up in a Christian home, who also have a goodly heritage, who profess to be the Lord's. And yet many of these young people don't have a desire to pray or, or, or even know how to pray. This young man, I believe, was taught by his parents. I believe he was following in the footsteps of a godly father and godly mother. What to do in a time of crisis? He had already learned the lesson. You see, if you were to read chapter 13 of Second Chronicles, you would discover that years earlier his father fought another king called Jeroboam. Jeroboam was king of Israel. And he came out against um, Abijah with 800,000 men. Abijah's army only had 400,000 men. And, and what did Abijah do in that context? Well, the answer is told us in Second Chronicles 13 and verse 14. He cried unto the Lord. In other words, he cried out to God for help. He was asking for divine intervention. And the Lord came and defeated the enemy. And here's Asa years later. And what's he doing? He's doing exactly the same thing. He's a child of God. He's in a right relationship with the Lord. He, he's had a good parentage and, and a, a goodly heritage. And he learned from his parents. He acknowledged that he belonged to a praying people. And so he prayed. He heard of God's intervention in the past. And here he is, pleading with God for help. If you think of the word Lord, it refers to all that God is in his being. God is eternal, the unchangeable, the infinite God. God is a, a triune God, a God of justice, a God of holiness, a God of truth, a, a, a God of grace. A God of love. And all of that, of the knowledge of God, would have been there, at least in seed form, and in a, a special way, in Asa's mind. He knew who he was calling on. It was the Lord, his God. There's why he prayed. It was a relationship that was special. Notice something else in the text. I believe there was also here a relationship that was sound. Uh, sorry, a realization that was sound. What did Asa realize in this crisis situation? Something simple yet sublime. He needed divine help. Look, look at the text. It says, It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. Two times. The word help is used. It is nothing with thee to help. And then help us. He needs help. The enemy's there. The enemy's at the border. The, 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 the enemy's going to cross over into the land. He didn't seek the help of a good friend. He, he didn't go to a neighbor. He didn't try to buy the um, strength of another army from another country. He didn't go to any earthly group. He said, Lord, help us. Lord, in light of who you are, this unchangeable, eternal, infinite God, this God of holiness and justice and mercy and truth and righteousness. Lord, in light of your omnipotence, in light of the fact that you're the true and the living God, in light of the fact that you're all knowing about this situation, help us. You see, aren't we familiar with the word help? 
Isn't it a word that's used everywhere? There's many references to the word help in the Bible. I I was thinking of some of them. Listen to what the psalmist said. Help, Lord, for the godly man seeth for the faithful feel from among the children of men. Don't we feel that today in 2019 in Northern Ireland? Uh, Think again of Psalm uh, 121, and you're more familiar. This is the the traveler's psalm. Uh, And again, uh, what is the psalmist's mind on? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. We could tie into that Hebrews 13 uh, where where it's written, the Lord is my helper. And when when I think about the psalmist, I discover he was often in trouble. And when in trouble, what did he do? He called on the Lord for help. You can call on the Lord for help in any situation. Maybe you're here this morning, it's the start of 2019, and you're really at the end of your teller. You feel, I'm at wit's end corner here. I'm not sure how things are going to pan out this year. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to turn right or left. I'm really flummoxed, to use a Bushmills word. What can you do in that situation? Well, if you're a child of God in a special relationship, then realize I need the Lord's help. And you can go to the Lord and you can say, Lord, help us. Would the Lord not be offended and grieved if we don't cry out to him for help? You see, when we don't say, Lord, help us, we're really saying, well, in this situation, I don't need the Lord. We're really saying, I've got an independent spirit. We're really saying, well, I can do it my way. I I can go in my own power and strength and ability. I want to say this morning, As your minister, I appreciate your help in this congregation. I appreciate your commitment and your sacrifice. I appreciate your faithfulness and attendance, the the small things that you do, whether it's at the door or playing the organ or or, or assisting with the sound or whatever or getting your loved ones out under the sound of the word of God. But let's remember that in all that we do, even in the small things of life, we can't do anything without the Lord. We, we need the Lord. And I, I gave you the cross stick some time ago, thinking of the word help, H-E-L-P, his eternal loving power. It's absolutely essential. And in your life as a Christian, 2019, you need the Lord to help. And, and what's true in the life of a Christian is true in the life of the church. Remember, remember Paul says in Acts 26, 22, having Therefore obtained help of God. I continue unto this day. Well, what's Paul acknowledging? He's acknowledging I only exist because of the Lord. It's the Lord that's enabled and preserved and kept me in all the situations I have faced unto this day. Oh, this morning if you're saved, you profess to be the Lord's. How are you going to face 2019? With all that's unknown, That's in front of us. How can we continue in our worship, in our witness, in our walk with God? How can we do it individually? How can we do it as a congregation? How can we 
move things on denominationally in Northern Ireland? Well, here's the answer. We need the Lord to help us. We need to know the help of the Lord. I want to tell you this morning, the Free Presbyterian Church needs help. This church needs help. This church has no power or resources of its own to rely on. And here's Asa, and what does he say? If you look at the text, go back to the text. Keep, keep, keep your eye on that. Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God. Now think of Asa. What was he facing? One million Ethiopians. 300 chariots. And these 300 chariots were the equivalent to, to modern day tanks. And he realized, I have no power to win this battle. I, I, I cannot overcome th this enemy. He himself had less than half. He was outnumbered, outgunned. He, the land of Judah would be overrun. Jerusalem would be destroyed. This is a powerful enemy. And what does he do? He cries out, Lord, help us. And the church has many foes. The church has many enemies, inside and out. Enemies that are strong. Enemies that are entrenched. And we have no power or might to overcome the enemy. And unless the Lord helps us, and the God of heaven intervenes, then we fear for the future of the work of God. If you need to see your loved ones saved this year, only the Lord can save them. If we're going to know sanctification of heart and mind, then the Lord must do it. If we're going to know help and service and evangelism, then, then the Lord must do it. If we're going to know help and assistance in the place of prayer, then we need the Lord. We can't do it without him. And if we're going to stand for the cause of truth and righteousness in the land, regardless of who's against us, then we must have the Lord with us by our side. That's the realization that's sound. Notice something else here. There's a reliance that's strong. Notice these words in the rest of the text. It says, for we rest in thee. Now, now we'll pause there. Could I encourage you to think about the word rest? What, what does that word rest mean? When we think of rest, we, we think of going to sleep. Well, we sleep in the chair, we go to sleep in bed. But when you are sitting in the chair asleep, or lying in bed asleep, what you're, what you're doing is, you're putting your whole weight in the chair. You're putting your whole weight upon the bed. And that's what the word rest means. It means to, to lean one whole weight upon. You think of a fruit-bearing tree and uh, those who are orchard growers, they, they use a lot of props in relation to their trees. And the weight of the fruit really falls on the prop. And the prop bears the load. And, and that's what Asa was saying. For we rest in thee. For we lean our whole weight on thee, Lord. He's recognizing something about God's character. He's recognizing God's ability. Remember the prophet said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. 
because he trusted him. That word stayed is the same word. That, that means rest. Rest is really a sign of dependence. It's saying how much we need him. It's handing the whole case and the crisis over to him. It's said of a man called Sir Walter Raleigh who was stood before Queen Victoria. He was having a conversation. The, the Queen was taunting him and said to him, Leave off your begging, Walter. And this is what he said, When your majesty stops giving, then I will stop begging. Another time a, a treasurer came into the king. He said to the king, One of your courtiers has asked for a great sum of money. I'm reluctant to give it to him. I'm the treasurer. What do you think, king? I think it's too much. And this is what the king has said. If he can trust me as king and asking for a great sum, then I will trust him as king and giving that great sum. We have a great king in heaven. And here's the question. Have we got this reliance that's strong, fixed in our mind that we can lean our whole weight upon him? Because that's important that we recognize that. He mentions here of the fact that he has no power. He says, no power in the text. But we can rely upon God. We can rest our weight in him to see us through. Notice also here, I believe there's a resource that was simple. He says, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Is the name of the Lord not precious to his people? Sometimes we, we sing about the precious name of the Lord Jesus, do we not? Are we not encouraged to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus? Listen to these few texts in John 14, verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do we know anything of the value of the name of the Lord? Have we not yet to, to plumb the depths of that name? That, that name's more than just the end to a prayer. It's not just adding the name of Jesus to your prayer. There's much more to it. We come in his name. We're depending on his name. We're thinking about his character. We, we rest in his absolute authority and his, and his ability. In John 15 and verse 16, he says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. And remember again in chapter 16, I believe it's in the verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And can I just remind you here of the context? Here's the disciples in the upper room. They're, they're in a crisis. The Lord Jesus has told them he's, he's going to go away. In fact, he's going to Calvary. He's going to die and, uh, on the cross and shed his precious blood. They're not going to see him physically anymore. And their hearts are sad. And, and, and they're depressed. And, and they're down in the dumps. And what does he tell them? 
He tells them by way of encouragement, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray in my name. Come to the Father in my name. Depend on me and my character. Rest in my ability and my power and ask the Father to do things for you. Listen to this, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Isn't there a connection between prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit that will teach us the things of the Lord Jesus and guide us into all truth and keep us in the right path. Remember what Luke 11 tells us. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, verse 13, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And how do we ask? We ask in his name. You see, here's a resource that's simple. He says, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Was not true of David when he faced Goliath? Goliath come out in the name of Goliath. The champion of the Philistines. David come out against him in the name of the Lord his God. And David, of course, was enabled by God to, to win the victory. A resource that's simple. And in thy name we go. And if we're going to go forward in this church and see souls saved and new families at it and, and see increase in the children and the Sunday school, then we've got to realize that we'll only do it in the Lord's name. And it'll not be for vain glory and not be to pat ourselves on the back and not be to say, oh, look at who did this and who did that. He says, my glory I will not give to another. No flesh shall glory in his presence because it's, it's in his name. One final thing, and you've been very patient. Notice here a request that's straightforward. It says, O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. You see, Asa realized, this is not my battle, this is the Lord's. This is not my cause, it's not about my honor, it's not about preserving my life as king, or, or my army, or, or, or Judah, or, or, or even Jerusalem. The situation that he faced, he realized this is God's cause. And he says, O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. It's not significant. And I want you to notice in the margin of your authorized version, the word man means mortal man. Isn't there a contrast there with the living and the true God? The word for man here in the Hebrew, and I, I'm not going to explain it to you, but there's four words for man in the Hebrew. And, and this reference to man, as it's in the margin, mortal man, is frail, sickly, mortal man. A little mortal man who doesn't see the greatness of God, who knows nothing of this covenant God of, 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 of his people, who knows nothing that God is the creator and maker of the work. He's already used the word, Lord, it's nothing to thee to save them who are many. You see, remember, in the eyes of the Lord, the nations are as nothing in his sight. In the eyes of the Lord, the inhabitants of this world are but grasshoppers. They're like the, the dust of the balances. And the dust of the balances makes no difference to the weight. 
and, and, and it makes no difference to the Lord. I was trying to ponder the words of Psalm 9 as well this week, um, reading it over many times, thinking about the words in my mind. And the same truth is brought out in Psalm 9 in relation to um, mortal man. It says there, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. It's the very same word. Mortal, frail, sickly men. And the word selah is introduced to, to think about that. Here's the request that was straightforward. It's God's cause. Now let's remember that this year. This is God's work. So, so let's not do anything that would hinder or harm God's work. But, but let's keep that to the forefront of our mind. That, that Satan, of course, is on our tail. He's out to bring us down and destroy us. And therefore our testimony, our Christian witness, our, our usefulness as the work of God is, is important to us. And our prayer life is important. The cause of truth and righteousness is important. Our worship, our walk, our witness for God is all important. Because it's, it's for God's honor. It's for God's glory. And we'll, we'll do nothing that will, will bring hurt or harm to that. Let's remember we too are mortal, frail, sickly men. And let me say in closing, there's also here a result that was significant. It says in verse 12, So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa, and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. In other words, prayer was answered. Here was a marvelous victory. Here was a total victory. And it's attributed to the Lord. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa. It wasn't Asa. It was the Lord that did it. It was a victory in answer to prayer. A victory that was accomplished in answer to prayer. A victory, of course, that let them better off. And you know, there's victory for us this morning. Individually. For us as a church. And where does it start? I believe it starts when we learn to pray. I think of those words of the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. In light of this relationship that's special, could we make this realization that we need to make a realization that's sound, that we need the Lord to help us? Can therefore we, we, we rely on the Lord? Can, can we rest in him? Can we see a resource that we have? We go in his name. And we make this request, it's for thine honor, it's for thy cause. That we might know this result. Victory in the name of Jesus. The Lord has victory for us individually. Victory for the church. Victory for this denomination that he's raised up. But it'll only come when we learn to wait on the Lord and call on his name. And have total and absolute dependence on him. May the Lord take these few thoughts. This is a big text, tremendous text. We've only scratched the surface, really. And I pray that these few words will be a blessing and help to many, even as we think of 2019 and going forward.